DIY and How Studios presents from Toronto, Canada. Muses and stuff with your hosts Shanti and Lynx. Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Network of Podcasts. Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. So grab those backstage passes and let's get to the show. How you doing? I'm great. This is exciting. It's been a while since we had a, like a one-on-one. Just, just me and you. Yeah. And a cat named Chester. Yeah. Sitting beside us here. Oh, cuddly. Oh, cuddly. Ready to hear a story. And this um, one I've been looking forward to. Well, it's taken me a while. And I think it's important just to note and to remind because um, if anybody new is listening, if this is their first ever episode, well, hello and welcome. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. Yes. Podcast about wives, girlfriends, groupies, muses. Yeah. In rock and roll. So usually, or, you know, when we first started this podcast, it was just us reading autobiographies and then presenting them and having a discussion about these women and where they are from and how they met the rock star and what they're doing now. And then it's evolved into interviews, interviews with bands, musicians, uh, women in music and the music industry. And then, of course, joining the network. Yeah. Rock and roll archaeology. And yeah, it's been amazing, and we've done a lot of interviews recently, a lot of amazing interviews. I'm so happy that we got, but... So we've been releasing bi-weekly. Yes. Instead of every week. Exactly. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. But hopefully it's better quality, too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're hopefully going for a quality and not quantity thing at this point. Yes. So thanks to everybody for sticking with it and we hope you're still enjoying it and uh, we're still enjoying it and loving it. But today we're going to go back to some Muse's roots and we're going to go back to um, an autobiography mm-hmm. and speaking about it. Yeah. I'm really excited. This one is exciting too because we went on a trip. We did. A few months ago. We got to go to Graceland. We went to Graceland. And uh, we get to hear about Graceland in this story. We definitely do. Yeah. A real insider's perspective on Graceland. So the book that I read is called A Little Thing Called Life on Loving Elvis Presley, Bruce Jenner, and Songs in Between by Linda Thompson. who Linda Thompson was because of reality television. Yes. So her sons 
had a reality television show of, the, of their own, and they had appeared on the television, such television shows as The Hills, and then there is a Kardashian connection. So it's weird how we're going, you know, from Elvis to eventually <laughs> Kardashian connection, but I guess, <laughs> you know, Hollywood and rock and roll is kind of, you know, smaller than we actually think. For sure. Um, another reason why I'm uh, not... Why I'm wearing sort of like 70s inspired today is um, not just because I was rewatching Mindhunter, but because we're going to go back to the 70s. 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um, When Linda was with Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So Linda really wanted to stand apart as someone who had been there and with Elvis for the right reasons, which is why the book was written and released at uh, the time that it was. So she actually didn't release this book until 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like, why we enjoy reading these books so much. She explains that, you know, it's important to write about her time with Elvis in detail for the fans, but also for cultural historians alike. Cool. Because it's only these kinds of perspectives that can maybe bring something new to the table. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, Because it's, you know, imagine everybody thinks they know everything about Elvis. And then 2016 comes along and then this book comes out and yep. all of a sudden the cultural historians, yep. the rock and roll archaeologists, <laughs> have a little bit more knowledge and insider information on Elvis. So it's, it's why I love this. Another thing um, that we mentioned about our trip was um, Linda is actually still active in music. So we had a pretty funny story uh, told to us when we were at Sun Studio with Plez and Daniel. And they said that Linda actually had stopped by there recently recently with her husband wearing like an Elvis hat or something. Like, I love Elvis. I think they went to Graceland as well. Yeah. That's so cool that she's still, you know, involved in that world. So funny because I actually had a dream about those guys last night (laughs) uh, inviting us back. (laughs) And then I was just putting on a little show today to just like, you know, pass some time, whatever. And I put on Nashville and I had to turn it off because my heart ached. Like it's wild when you go on trips. It's so we're so fortunate to be able to travel. But I have like a travel hangover for months after. Yeah, I I have such travel blues. I know. Anyways, I know. Um. Linda also really wanted to wait until she carved out her own way. So she waited decades so that her inclusion of the Elvis years would carry more dignity and credibility. Gotcha. That's the kind of woman she is. Yeah. She would rather wait, sort of establish herself in her own right, which Mm -hmm. she did. Yeah. And then release something. And it really was a book that really carried a lot of dignity and credibility i i like her so much more after reading the book like i followed her on social media before but i didn't really know her much outside of like just seeing pictures of her and her family and now i'm like oh i know she has surprising career things that have happened that you don't realize that have happened oh yeah she's Mm -hmm. she's awesome yeah Mm -hmm. um she says as the adage goes you don't really know someone unless you live with them only two women ever actually lived with elvis I was one of them. Yep. So, yeah, she lived with him for four and a half years. 
a long time. Yeah, she talks about the good. She talks about the dark. He wasn't a perfect man, but of course, he was a remarkable human. She says that her honesty takes away nothing from his absolute greatness, and after 40 years of harboring his special words and deeds to herself, she was compelled to share the story. Great. So, Glad here she it did. is. So, although Linda has had some pretty influential and important relationships, um, as you may or may not know, she was married to Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner, um, having two sons, Brandon and Brody Jenner, uh, but we're going to focus on her life with Elvis. Yeah. So, if you want to learn about um, being married to Caitlyn, then please read the book. It's so fascinating and mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderful, um, but we're going to focus on Elvis for the most part. Um, I think it is important to mention like pretty early on, like you had just said that we didn't know that she had so many accomplishments. Mm -hmm. She is an accomplished poet, a lyricist and had her own distinguished career in the music business, which includes an Academy Award nomination. Yeah. Yeah. For a song from the bodyguard, Grammy nominations and an Emmy win. Amazing. Yeah. Um, she says, I have often declared that the girlfriend wife or ex of a celebrated person must be twice as good to be taken half as seriously Hmm. at anything wow good good quote how true is that and uh even though you know i think linda is so you know she's on social media we know she's still stopping into sun studio I would love to talk to her someday, but I'm so happy to just be talking about the book with you. Mm-hmm. Like I, I see, I love the, I love doing both of those things. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to continue Yeah. in her words. She says, I truly feel that I've been blessed with a life filled with its own set of successes, failures, heartaches, joys, and emotional explorations. In sharing it, my hope is that it may provide inspiration, comfort, humor, understanding, enlightenment, enlightenment, entertainment, and even a sense of belonging to another soul in search. The whole purpose of my career and of my very existence has been to connect with others on an emotional level. After all, the more we endeavor to understand and empathize with another human being's life, the more we unravel the mystery of our own. This extraordinary gift we've been given, a little thing called life. Aww. Yeah. Good intro. Yeah. So before we get into um, Linda's upbringing... Um, I, it isn't, I want to say that Elvis and Linda had broken up only eight months before his death. Wow. After having lived together for almost five years. So it's wild because we've covered, um, Priscilla, Ginger and Margaret. Yeah. And the whole time that we were doing those, I had no idea that Linda had such a significant part in his his life. Did you? No, no. Like, how did this go over everybody's head? I don't know. Um, we're going to talk about little stories like how, um, he would grab the back of her neck, press his forehead up to hers, roll it slightly to mug noggins. Okay. They would call it <laughs> mugging mug, noggins. Mug noggins. Yeah. Mug noggins. <laughs> and you know, something his mother did to him when he was just a little Aww. shaver. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I would totally well, mug noggins. With I would mug this. noggins with him until the cows came home. So... Um, like many women who have written about Elvis, like Ginger, Priscilla, she says that he was not of this earth. 
He felt a strong connection to the spirit world and to the ethereal, and that in this world, he was merely passing through. She writes, maybe Elvis was home at last. Oh. Yeah. She wore a purple dress to his funeral because Elvis always believed that the color purple was the highest connection to God. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they had a very, very special connection. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's get into it. Let's start from the beginning. Let's start in Memphis. All right. Let's go back let's to Memphis. Go back. Um, when she was a little girl, when she was watching TV with her parents, she said to them, y'all know what, mama and daddy? When I grow up, I'm going to marry Elvis Presley. <laughs> she too was from Memphis, Southern to the core, which meant strong family ties, soul food, anything fried. And she says overcooked vegetables. Wow. I did not know she was from Memphis. Something that she had in common with Elvis. Yeah. Her mother married her father when he'd returned from two and a half years of service fighting in Germany, Belgium, France, and England during World War II. And it was love at first sight with them. Her mother grew up uh, poor on a farm with five sisters and married a man at 18 to escape her difficult life. Wow. Yeah. But that man ended up being very abusive. Mm. When she was eight months pregnant, he showed up at their house with a date in the car to change his shirt. And unfortunately, that baby did not live. The baby passed one night in her arms, which is why Linda believes that her mother was so protective of her and her brother Mm. later on. Makes sense. So that man wasn't Linda's father. Gotcha. She then met linda's father who um was a hard worker picking cotton plowing fields milking cows sounds like something you do in memphis (laughs) they were selfless towards their their children um and her relationship with her mother was it grew to be difficult and grew to be more difficult when her mother lost control of her sensibilities So, of course, we know back then, not much help in the Department of Mental Health. Yeah. You know, trauma, abuse, which her mother most definitely definitely suffered from. from. Um, So she said her mother would have tantrums, throw things at her father, and their money problems didn't help. Although her mother did try to instill in her that Linda should never be ashamed of being poor. Hmm. So because of her mom's temperament, as a child, Linda learned to walk on eggshells as not to disrupt anything or anyone. Gotcha. Which would come into play later on during her relationship with Elvis. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, of her mother, Linda says, my mother was beautiful, bright, talented, and had a wonderful sense of humor, but she seldom got to let any of those attributes fully flower. She was also incredibly kind towards animals, instructing me early on that animals were at the mercy of the world. Mm. I'm sure my animal advocacy began began early and that I was influenced by her tender teachings. So, yeah, she, Linda, is an advocate for many things and, you know, animals is one of those things. But it's such a story that we've heard over and over again and it reminds me of the story that dorothy told us about her mother yeah just that these women only had one choice yeah they only had one option and so how could they really have that opportunity to fully flower into themselves it's something that we take for granted i think as young women for sure in 2018 absolutely yeah um 
Of her mother, she said she also had an alto voice and her mom seemed happiest singing or at the piano. So music was a big part of the family's life. Um, At big family gatherings, there would be lots of singing. She actually used to go to the movies with her daddy Mm -hmm. to see Elvis. Yeah, she said like that's your standard southern upbringing. That sounds awesome. You go to the movies to watch Elvis on the big screen. Yeah. Um, Things weren't all, you know, hunky-dory, of course. She remembers, she talks about being young, being at a park and getting a drink of water from the fountain and her mother stopping her and saying, not that one, honey. You have to drink from this one that says whites only. And her mom didn't even really know how to explain that, but that's just how the things, how things were. Yeah. And she knew that that wasn't kind of right, right from the, like that time. I got you. It's wild that, you know, Linda is, you know, posting on social media and hopefully we can talk to her someday. And like, that was her reality as a child. That was not that far, like that long ago. No, it wasn't. It's like, you're reminded of these things when you read books like this. Yeah. Yeah. This is still part of people's history that are still walking around and yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we make progress but then you look at the news today and it's like it's not that much progress oh. we could do better yes far far better i can know a girl um when she was a child when she was nine she that's when she started writing poetry oh, okay. so it became a very important part of her life yeah yeah um she also talks about Elvis's childhood, um, like things that he told her. Uh, like, we know that Elvis is a mama's boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she tells us that he actually slept in the same bed as his mama and daddy until he was nine years old. Oh, nine? Yeah. Wow, such a mama's boy. Yeah. No wonder he was devastated when she passed. Yeah. When he was little, he felt that he got saved and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, One day, he went home and gave away pretty much all of his treasured possessions to neighborhood kids. She says that's when Elvis's legendary spirit of generosity was born. Yeah, he loved giving things away, didn't he? (laughs) Yeah, but only when people didn't ask for them. Yes. Um, Vernon, Elvis's father, told her that he believed that Jesse, Elvis's twin brother, um, who died at birth, yeah. um, was the reason why Elvis had such, you know, character and charm and talents. Um, that, and it was Jesse's influence that was a reason for Elvis's paradoxical, dichotomous nature. Okay. The twins, yeah, you know, like yeah. Gemini or whatever. Not that he was a Gemini. Um, Capricorn? I don't know. Elvis? Sure. Birthday in January? I don't know the horoscope. I believe. That well. Okay. <laughs> I might be wrong. Um, in high school, Linda was a goody two shoes. She never drank or did drugs and was voted homecoming queen. She looks like a homecoming queen. I know. She's so cute. And like some of her outfits in here are so awesome that like I'm pretty sure because I read this book in the summer, I was inspired Inspired. to dress like her. (laughs) And I and even when we went to Graceland, I kind of wanted to have like that kind of look. But I think I was so tired at the end of the trip. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. And plus it was so hot. there. (laughs) Yeah. Hard to 
just go with whatever works, you know, at that yeah. point. Um, she had a teacher who inspired her and encouraged her love of writing and literature. So hooray for awesome teachers. She was a homebody herself. She lived at home during university, um, commuting to Memphis State University, studying English lit and theater. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so she was in pageants. She won pageants. She won Miss Mid-South, the Queen of the Mid-South Fair, and she got a scholarship by winning the West Tennessee Okra Festival that qualified her for the Miss Tennessee America. This is amazing. I know. She said, like, there wasn't a, such a stigma yeah. in pageants and stuff back then as there yeah, is Yeah, it was a way for women to get ahead, like, in a world where you know not not every woman could it was a way out right exactly and she put herself through university because she used the money that she won exactly. from winning seven concurrent titles to exactly. go to school yeah there was a purpose behind it absolutely mm-hmm. when she was 22 years old and at memphis state she dreamed of going to la or new york to have a variety show write sketches or do her own musical comedy And this is funny. This is how Southern Baptist she was. Her friend Jeanne wanted to go to TGI Fridays one night. And she replied, oh, we can't go in there as unescorted ladies because they serve alcohol in that establishment. And we'll look like pickup girls. Not like pickup girls. Like pickup girls. No. Oh. But Jeanne, (laughs) bless her heart, convinced her to go into TGI Fridays unescorted. And they ran into a friend who was in the music business, bought them lunch, so they ended up getting picked up, and asked <laughs> and asked if they wanted to meet Elvis that night. Well, that's quite a pickup. Yeah. So, thank goodness. They were unescorted. Yeah. He was screening a movie at the Memphian Theater. That could be a typo on my part. Okay. It could be a Memphis Theater. Yeah. It could be a Memphian Theater. <laughs> You know, we're it busy. works. It works. Even though they both had a modeling gig that night, they found substitutes. Good for them. And agreed to, to go meet Elvis. That's a good substitute. And in the lobby is where it happened. Yeah. Elvis was in a black suede cape with a red satin lining and black pants with a flared leg, black stage boots and big sunglasses. He came on through the door. So they didn't know he was coming in through that door, like the people that were working there. So they ended up shining a flashlight when the door was opening and they shined it in Elvis's face. And um, so he was like, what's this? Kind of pissed. And I think he had a flashlight. He accidentally shone it in Linda's face. But then (laughs) when he dropped the light, he saw her. He went, oh, excuse me. Hello, honey. (laughs) And she felt his extraordinary presence immediately. He definitely had a type, too, didn't he? And what's that? Just beautiful. I feel like Linda and Priscilla have a similar thing going on. And Ginger, for sure. Oh, just like fucking naturally gorgeous? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Young? Yeah, all, all the above. Virginal? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, he had a type. He did. He had a type. And um, I like everybody. I, I love Elvis, but he had a complex. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to read to you in Linda's words. Oh, please. About meeting Elvis and uh. just like him in that moment. 
In the summer of 1972, when I met him, Elvis was in his prime. He was 37 years old, six foot one, and on the slender side for him, probably weighing about 165 or 170 pounds. He had an incredible physique, a noticeable physicality, a great bone structure even. It was as if it wasn't just his build and his features that were perfectly crafted, but also his skeletal structure. Before then, and later on, of course, he famously battled his weight, which always fluctuated at least 10 pounds. His mother had had problems with her weight, and he loved to eat. But for this moment in time, he was perfection incarnate. Wow. So that's a great description. Yeah. When... You definitely, like, feel the presence. It's like, she said that when he fell asleep beside her, she just stared at his face. Study his pores. <laughs> <laughs> when David Stanley introduced them... He said, hey, boss, this is Miss Tennessee Universe, Linda Thompson. <laughs> and he introduced her friend Jeanne as Miss Rhode Island, Jeanne LeMay, who, of course, was trying to make eyes with Elvis. Yeah. But he was smitten with Linda. Well, can't have everyone, right? Yeah. Well, well, it's Mr. <laughs> Elvis. <laughs> so I meant Jan can't have everyone, but... Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Linda actually teased him a little bit um, about his outfit, saying something about, like, aren't you hot in that? Like, it's You're Memphis. wearing a cape. Yeah. In Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> but he kind of said, everywhere I go is air conditioned. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, she said something about him like, looking like Dracula, and it made him laugh. So that's good. It worked. After some small talk, they all went in and um, to watch the movie. They weren't sitting next to each other at first. At first. Uh, so she was <laughs> sitting beside Jeanne and then she was sitting beside someone else. I forgot who. Um, and then she felt the person beside her move and somebody else plopped down beside her. Some musical chair action happening here. That's right. Okay. None other than... Elvis, yeah, Aaron Presley is sitting beside her in the movie theater, and of course she was like excited, but she was like, "He's married, so mm -hmm. nothing's gonna happen." But guess what? Priscilla and him—they weren't together anymore. Exactly. Uh, she didn't know that though. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> she was shocked when he pulled the old. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, an arm around behind the seat trick, and then he started hugging her. She was resistant, pulling back. She really was a good Southern Baptist girl, even if it was Elvis. Yeah. And then he said to her, honey, you know I'm not married anymore. So that night, he kissed her. <laughs> she was like, oh, okay, oh, well, then that right. changes things. Yep. <laughs> Yep, he kissed her. His lips were really sweet and soft. He was sensual and intense. And they kissed and hugged the whole movie. <laughs> Aww. You can imagine how the, like, when the movie ended, how the energy must have felt oh my in the God, room. Yeah. Because everybody knows of when course. Elvis gets up to move. Of course. And if the theater, if the, they were still sitting around, like, was Jan still sitting beside her? Yeah. Like, um... Thanks for ignoring me. <laughs> yeah. Her name is her name is spelled J E A N N E, which might be 
Jean? Jean? Maybe. Well, but, but it's like this house, so could it be like Jean? It could be. I, mm, we'll ask Linda when we talk to her. Yes. Um. Uh. So she got a phone call that night. Of course. From Elvis. Yep. A little slurry. <laughs> telling her that he was so happy they had met. That she was everything he was looking for and that he wanted to be with her. Wow. Those are some heavy declarations for one night. Yeah. The next day, she went to Graceland for the second time. The first time was when she was 10. She had gone to the Graceland gates with her Elvis calendar. And uh, his uncle asked her if she would like it signed because I guess he was sort of controlling the gate. So he went inside and came out with a signed calendar, which she believed then was from Elvis, but believes now that it was signed by his cousin Patsy. Yeah. Anyhow, 12 years later, there she was at Graceland. I think that makes up for it. On a date with Elvis Presley. And she gets a tour. We've done that tour. Well, minus Elvis. No, he was there with us. He was. It exceeded my expectations. It did. I can only imagine what it would have been like to have him show you around. Like, it was so much more modest than I expected it to be. Yeah, much smaller. Yet the rooms were, like, way more elegant than I expected, too, for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Maybe I expected a little more, like, kitschy 70s. Yeah. Which, I mean, some parts were. Yeah. But... In a good... In the best way. Other rooms were just magnificent, like the the peacock room and... Yeah. Uh, the blue and yellow room. I loved that the, room. Yeah. The TV room. Yeah. So those peacocks were actually her influence. And when we walked around the basement and it had all of sort of the archived stuff, they had her name there, yeah. Linda Thompson, which, you know, they didn't say anything about Ginger, really. No. And Yeah. Um, so... She was led into the jungle room, which Mm -hmm. was a TV room at the time, but actually it was her and Elvis that redecorated it into the wild jungle fantasy. Amazing. Like, he knew he wanted it. She was like, um, okay. (laughs) But she still, they still did it together. Um, And they went for, like, not that day, obviously, Uh, later on. But uh, that day they went for a golf cart ride. Golf cart ride. Yeah, it's a big, big area to cover. She said he was like a little kid showing off his playhouse that he had built himself. <laughs> and she, of course, got to visit a part of Graceland that you nor I yeah. got to see. Or anyone. Yeah. Because nobody has access to the upstairs. Yes. She got to see it, though. Even though she was a virgin, she went into Elvis's room and uh, saw his gigantic bed. Tons of guns. Really? Tons of guns. Just, just like, guns. Just all over? I guess like on the wall. Weird. Maybe one by the bedside table. Yeah. Um, you'd have to read the book to get the exact details. I didn't write down I exactly gotcha. where they were, but it was just basically big bed, lots of guns. Okay. <laughs> First impressions? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they began kissing on the bed and baby talking and just wait until we get into the baby talk. Oh, no. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, you're not a fan? <laughs> you're not a fan? Of baby talk? Yeah. In bed? Anywhere? No. <laughs> it's not for everybody. But, I myself am a baby talker. But, like, what does that mean? Like, is no. it no different? <laughs> 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 you just saw 
saw my face you were like no (laughs) (laughs) it's more words it's more like playing on words okay um Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing, because otherwise I might get into big trouble. Okay. But cuddling yeah. in my house yeah. is called a cuddle buggle. Okay. That, like, that kind of talk. That Okay, that's a lot better than what I was Yeah, I, I knew you were going to start actually talking, like, maybe like a baby. Yeah. It's not that. Lower, like, the way you talk to a baby. It's more the, yeah, yeah. That's not cool. It's no, it's more of we'll get into it when the time right. comes. Like cutesy talk. Yeah. Okay. Gross to some. Yeah. Natural to others. I kind of grew up in a cutesy family where nobody went by their real names. It was all nicknames. I'd rather have cutesy talk than baby talk. That's okay. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're kissing on the bed and she thought, dreaming. I must be dreaming. So imagine the man wanted by everyone mm-hmm. who everyone grew up watching was now holding her in his arms. Insane. Elvis wanted her to stay overnight, but it was 3 a.m. and she had to go. Well, good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, she tells things about Elvis like that he would tell to her. Like, for example, how he knew that he was blessed with such a talent. And he was so grateful for his gift that he wanted to do anything humanly possible to repay his maker. Uh, yeah. Which is why he, you know, wanted to share his talent and give things and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, shortly after meeting Elvis, she had to go on vacation with her family and, um, of course, could only think of one thing the whole time. Mm-hmm. She says, the vacation was everything a great big family trip should be. But the whole time I was awash with the wonder and the thrill of my newly made memories with the king of rock and roll, my Elvis. Ooh. Well, luckily... She got plenty of time with him after that. Yeah. She oh, didn't have to worry. Yeah, she did. Oh. Elvis missed her while she was gone. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of their, like, relationship, uh, I think we've heard this before. He never pressured her into anything. They took it slow. Yeah. And eventually, when she was ready. It was like he let it be known what he wanted, but mm-hmm. he let her mm-hmm. make the timeline for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, She did spend a lot of time in his room, of course, and very quickly noticed the prescription bottles, at least a dozen. Yeah. He said they were for respiratory things, sleeping pills, all prescribed. Yeah. Um, She slept with him and he spooned her all night. She said even though it was new, it felt familiar. And even though she had never uh, spent the night in bed with a man. It was, like, natural. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of the baby talk, ice cream was itty cream. (laughs) Milk was butch. Buttermilk was butter butch. And her names for him were not Elvis. They were Bunton, as in button. And she was Mommy. No. Ariadne. Ari, darling, honey, and baby. Okay, not Mommy, though. Please, no. (laughs) She'd be the Mommy and he'd be the baby. No. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that, like, my great aunt and uncle, they didn't have kids. And she'd call him daddy, like, in front of mm. us. As in, like, because you do that when you have kids, you can you do that and it's not, like, weird. Weird, yeah. Right? Like, go ask daddy or, like, daddy, yeah. can you come here and do this for me? Yeah. Um, But they didn't have kids and they did that. And so I guess it was something that Lyndon Elvis did. But, yeah, he, 
Interesting. Yeah. Um, so Elvis had a bit of a foot fetish. Okay. Remarking on her yeetle toes and how her <laughs> yeetle toes just lined up perfectly. God, he really was a baby talker, wasn't he? Yeah. And um, <laughs> so she knew she'd be in trouble when he called her Linda. Oh. Yeah. And Lisa Marie was like, Yisa? Yeah. So like... Yeah. It's gotcha. stuff like that that I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I do shit like that too. Um... So one of the difficult things with Elvis was like never being able to go out because the one time they did, a hundred people gathered around them in like minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Her book is really poetic and because obviously she's a poet and she writes, uh, she writes music. So it's very well written. So I'm going to read this part about Elvis's eyes. Ooh. He opened his eyes and looked at me. Those impossibly long lashes, those deep, soulful pools of blue. The depth and intensity of the blue in Elvis's eyes was intoxicating. His eyes were often described as bedroom eyes. I rather think they escaped the bedroom, though, and circumnavigated the globe, gathering beauty along the way. Elvis's eyes told his story and could be as mercurial as his personality, from the serenity of the blue Caribbean to the raging depths of the North Atlantic. They could twinkle with mischief, glare cold with anger, fill with tears of tenderness, and pierce your heart with the pain they sometimes mirrored from his soul. They were beautiful, and in this moment, they were telegraphing pure love right at me. That's so beautiful. I know. Uh, Yeah, she's a poet, all right. Mm Mm-hmm. So she and Elvis were inseparable, so inseparable that for the first year of the four and a half years they were together, they were together 24-7, except for the times he was out buying presents for her. (laughs) He uh, once bought her a beautiful blue diamond and she asked why he said, like she asked, why did you buy this for me? And he said, because it's Tuesday and I love you. Even when he was in the shower, he'd talk to her when he was there. He really needed, like, 24-hour attention, too, like, put on him, huh? Yeah. He needed his lady there no matter what. Mm -hmm. I guess that's also one of the reasons him and Priscilla didn't work out, because she was kind of growing as a person outside of him, and he he needed more hands-on attention. Well, I mean, I don't mean to spoil the end of this story, yeah. but how else could it have ended? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. She would sit on the side of the stage and watch him perform. She said that he was never more himself than he was on than when he was on the stage. To this day, he is the best entertainer she's ever seen. And Elvis, the world's most famous rock star, he was her first and truest love. Aww. So she actually did love the fact that he wanted and needed to be cuddled and cared for all of the time. So Elvis also liked to cuddle buggle. Of their relationship, she says, More often than not, I was the mommy and he was the baby. Sometimes we were lovers. Sometimes we were best friends. We were all things to each other at one time or another. And Elvis was always, always everything to me. 
So she was willingly selfless in her devotion to him. Yeah. So, of course, you know, similarities between some of the women and similarities between her and Ginger. One of the things that stuck out was how he he told both women that his mother told him he should marry a brown-eyed girl because blue-eyed girls can't be trusted. He told both those girls that. They have both that story in their book. Um, She had a special relationship with Lisa Marie. The first time they met... Um, was pretty sweet at first um, Lisa Marie was sort of like you know a cat sort of like yeah not coming out quite right away but um, Linda's hair was so long and she was sitting outside by the pool and she had her hair draped on the back of uh, like a pool chair yeah and Lisa came up to her and asked if she could brush it Aww. so Lisa brushed her hair and that's how they kind of bonded that's so sweet yeah, and um, like many of the other women, um, Linda has a chapter called, not that they have the exact same chapter name this, but Linda has a chapter called The Other Elvis. Mm. And you can imagine what that meant. Yes. Yes. One of the first instances where she saw Elvis rage was when he was trying to get, when she was trying to get all of the men straight in Elvis's entourage, and she referred to one of the men as the good-looking guy, Sonny. Uh-oh. Sonny's the good-looking guy, right? And this set Elvis off. Uh-oh. He yelled at her and said something like, don't you ever tell me you think another guy is good looking. Wow. Um, they got into fights about his guns. Once he shot one and the bullet almost hit her because it went through two walls. What? She yelled at him. He threatened to send her home. And then he profusely apologized as he usually does. Yeah. Now, we know that all this is highs and lows come from the mostly prescribed yeah. pills he was taking but she also says how you know there were pills that weren't exactly prescribed but like well, somehow there when still. he went to the dentist mm. and he went to the dentist regularly <laughs> he was uh allowed free range of the medicine cabinet wow elvis watched porn oh yeah did you know that i did not know that yep so, one time, he asked Linda, Honey, have you ever seen a porn movie? <laughs> I'm guessing she hadn't. You mean a pornographic movie? I asked. No, of course not. <laughs> well, would you watch one with me? I don't know. Is it sexy? Yes, very sexy. <laughs> So he put on the devil in Miss Jones and we settled into watch. I was so innocent and naive that it didn't take long for me to be shocked. She doesn't have any clothes on, I said. <laughs> oh my God, you can see her. You can see everything. Look. Oh, oh my God. You can practically see all the way up her tonsils. Is it legal for people to get naked and do things on camera like that? Can't they be arrested for this? That's got to be illegal, isn't it? <laughs> It doesn't sound like the sexiest time for Linda. No. So, of course, Elvis started laughing at that. and So maybe, you know, that wasn't that wasn't their thing. No. But again, I, if Elvis put on porno, I'd say you betcha. <laughs> um, the way she saw their relationship, Elvis needed her and she loved being needed by him. Mm-hmm. Um, before remote controls for televisions, uh, she would get up and change the channels for him whenever wow. she wanted it changed. She repeats time and time again that agreeing to his every whim was worth it because of the truly beautiful soul that he was. Okay. 
um, you know, he had a giving nature and people called him Santa because of his giving nature all year round. He loved Christmas too. And he actually had a song called, oh, sorry, Linda later on had a song called Grown Up Christmas List that she wrote years later that Barbara Streisand, Natalie Cole, Kelly Clarkson and Michael Bublé all ended up singing. And she only wishes that like Elvis could have been able to hear it Aww. and even record some of her songs. That would have been something. Yeah, he actually did, um, when she gave him a book of poetry years later, um, say that he would record them into music. And she said, no, no, these are just private for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's nice. And speaking of more gifts, Elvis designed a ring for her and told her that one day it would be their engagement ring when the time was right. Wow. He was very committed. Mm -hmm. Speaking of committed, let's talk about Priscilla for a second. Um, She didn't she, Linda, didn't have that much exposure to Priscilla during her time with Elvis, but writes about their first encounter. It was at a parent meeting, um, like a school parent meeting, and both parents had to be there. So Linda went with Elvis, but waited in the car. He didn't really prep her for meeting Lisa Marie, but he did tell her not to wear all of her rings when meeting Priscilla because he didn't give Priscilla nearly as much jewelry and didn't want her to feel bad. Aww. Well, I guess that's nice that Elvis was still thinking about Priscilla's feelings. I guess. But, like, why didn't Priscilla get all of the rings? I don't know. Um, Priscilla wanted to meet Linda after the conference, which ended up being, like, a cordial meeting. She said it was nice to meet Linda, and she appreciated her looking out for Lisa Marie. So even though Linda appreciated that they could be in the room celebrating Lisa Marie's birthday, for example, and, like, back in the 70s, like, you know, that was maybe not as common whereas like now like it's common for even parents who are separated divorced whatever to be in the same room and it's all good yeah um oh yeah okay so she said um that even though it was cordial one day lisa marie did tell her did tell linda my mommy doesn't like you very much oh my mommy says it's because when she was married to my daddy, he didn't take her anywhere. But my daddy takes you everywhere. You're always with my daddy, and my mommy never got to be with my daddy. So that's why. Well, that makes sense. She feels a little jealous, I guess. Yeah, it's understandable. I know that obviously that's not Linda's fault. That's Elvis, you know, doing things different. But maybe he learned from his mistakes the first time around and was like, with this relationship, I'm going to make her more involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of the complex that we were speaking about, like, earlier on, um, Linda did mention that she found something odd once um, when she was talking to Elvis and he had mentioned that it's not as much fun making love to a woman who has had a baby. He said, they're a mother. They've given birth. They've had a child. You just feel like you don't want to violate that. Yeah, so I guess it sort of makes sense when we think about, like, the age of the women that um, Elvis was interested in. I guess the exception that I can think of is Anne-Margaret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a more unique relationship. She's the only one that didn't have to sacrifice, like, her career or 
you know, her life to be with him. Yeah. The other women had to kind of be there 24 seven. And oh, yeah. that's probably why him and Anne Margaret didn't work out because she wasn't as available to him as the others were. Speaking of being available, she was, Linda was monitoring his food, right? Like Elvis wanted a feast in front of him, even if he didn't eat it all, because on, you know, the topic of complexes, he had one about being poor as a child mm. and food being rationed. So if he wanted to eat more, he ate more. I see. Yeah. Um, so she was constantly just like, you know, at his beck and call for that kind of stuff and just trying to make sure that like he didn't eat too much, but obviously it's hard to control Elvis in that sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, she mastered his peanut butter and banana sandwiches and she includes the recipe on page 86. Wow. If you guys want to make one for dinner tonight. Have you ever had a Elvis sandwich? A peanut butter and banana sandwich? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have one for uh, dinner, dinner tonight. tonight. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's basically just like a grilled cheese, but. Um, there's way too much butter in it, honestly. It, it like, sounds kind of scary to me. Honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you know how much butter, butter? is in... I don't, but... A stick. No! Like, not... I don't think, like, a big, like, okay. thing, but, like, a stick of butter. Okay. Yeah. Still too much. It's <laughs> still too much. She said that she cut back the butter as much as she could without incurring Elvis's wrath, but he never let her eliminate it too much. A stick of butter... Yeah. So as their relationship went on, um, his moods were more erratic and drugs took on a larger role. Yeah. It's a story that we know well. Yeah. Um, he was never an easy man to control, but she kept an eye on him as best as she could. One day he was um, very impaired and he was going on about how awesome he was with swords and told her to hold still while he just swung no! swords around her body. No! Oh my God. Which, you know, she let him do, <laughs> but never again. <laughs> yeah. After the Aloha from Hawaii special, things got very troubling. He was visibly more impaired um, on top of the weight gain. Yeah. And the scary part was that he didn't even seem to notice the change in his state of behavior. Mm. She says either he was on so many drugs so much of the time that he could no longer distinguish how they impacted him, or he was purposely taking excessive amounts of drugs, not just for their prescribed benefits, but because he enjoyed the feeling. Either way, he was fallible because of them, and it was clearly a problem I began to recognize as the stardust in my eyes began to fade away and tears for this man I loved took its place. Oh, wow. Yeah, that must have been so frustrating feeling so helpless and wanting to help this person but it's hard with people like that you know they have to want the help first for yeah. you to give it like honeymoon's over yeah this is a man yeah and one who's incapable of taking care of himself right now yet at the same time won't let others take care of him <laughs> Yeah, she refused to inject him with his quote-unquote B12 shots. Mm. And things were getting even more codependent, let's say. Elvis was hospitalized for pneumonia, which meant that he checked into the hospital and she checked into the hospital. Even though she was 23 years old and in perfect health, he insisted that she be near him at all times. And so he got a hospital bed 
for her next to him and push them together. He was the king, and in Memphis, this was made possible. Wow. That's nuts. <laughs> she couldn't just be in the room. She had no. to have a bed mm -hmm. beside him. Mm -hmm. Linda had an American Express card given to her by Elvis and paid by Vernon. Um, it didn't have a spending limit, and she didn't take advantage. Rather than buy things for herself or him, she just wrote him poems. Um, love poems. She said in Elvis she had the perfect muse. Aww. Yeah. One time she did spend money was on him. Um, she had a necklace made for him, which was like a cross, and he said it was the best gift he'd ever gotten. And I believe he wore it on the entire tour he did after that. And it was in one of the museums that we went to. Do you remember I pointed it out? Yes. Okay. Yes. We probably have a photo. Yeah. Um, so how did Linda deal with other women? Well, at shows, she didn't love it when he bent down and kissed women. Mm -hmm. During Can't Help Falling in Love with You. <laughs> but this is what Elvis would say to reassure her. They love Elvis Presley. They don't know Bunton. They don't know Little Gullion. <laughs> it's an impersonal love. It makes me really lonely to know that not many people know me, the real me. But you do, Ariadne. You know who I am, and you love me. And one day, maybe you'll write a book about me. About the man, not the myth. Aww. She talks about him being very, very lonely and being worried that people would find out that he was real and flawed and revoke their love. I like that he had ideas of these women writing books about him. Mm, he knew it yeah. was coming. I like that. In 1974, something was changing. Yes, the drugs were getting worse. Um, and it wasn't just the women on the side of the stage that she was being made more aware of. Hmm. So she says that Elvis wasn't monogamous by nature. Yeah. Plus, he was Elvis. After spending 18 months solid with her, he was beginning to grow restless. He told her he had never been faithful to anyone for that long before. Um, she appreciated his honesty, but she was conflicted. She was hurt, but also concerned that no other woman would take care of him like she did. Hmm. Um, she was monitoring his breathing while he slept at night. God, she was that terrified. Would they know to send him to the hospital like she had had to do? Wow. Oh. When he did come home to her at Graceland, he was always happy to see her. It was relatively easy to act like nothing out of the ordinary had happened. Um, and one night when she was passive aggressively asking him about the women, because it did bother her, even though she was trying to like push it yeah, down, yeah. they were eating salad and spaghetti in bed when he threw the plate of spaghetti at the wall and yelled, just shut up. I know what you're talking about. It meant nothing. She meant nothing. No other woman means anything to me. It's just a diversion, a distraction. Don't you understand that? I'm around the same people all the fucking time. Once in a while, I need a little different stimulation, different company. That's all. Jesus Christ. So he kept screaming at her, took his pills, and passed out. Yeah. So she was pretty shaken by that. Uh, yeah. And left. But shortly after, baby Bunton missed his mommy. Uh. And he was scared when he woke up and mommy wasn't there. Jesus. So that's what he'd do yeah. when he woke up and hardly remembered the tirade. Yeah. He would always tell her how much he needed her and beg her to come back. The cycle... The cycle. Yeah. Is this a familiar cycle? Yeah. She asks everyone to reserve judgment. 
Okay. Okay. So everybody listening right now who's like maybe mad at me for making fun of Baby Bunton <laughs> or maybe mad at her for going back or maybe just mad that, you know, Elvis wasn't that perfect yeah. figure, right? Because he figured like he thought if people know this me, then they're not they're going to revoke their love. So yeah. like, let's not revoke our love. Let's just we're just, just remember they're not gods. They're men. Yeah. She asks everyone to reserve judgment because unless we've walked in their shoes, we don't know what we would do in those circumstances. Yeah. I would let Elvis call me mommy, though. (laughs) Ultimately, he told her, being with other people is a disappointment. She was his ideal girl, and he'd always think of her anyways. It always made him realize how much he loved her and how much he appreciated her. Well, okay. Like, I I think people in, like, polyamorous relationships can, like, kind of get that. If you're with a long-term partner and then you have some, you know. It's just a little more difficult when one partner isn't, is doing it because they feel like they have no choice but to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, appreciated her more when he came back to her. So, like, okay. Um, she says that wouldn't have changed anything even if they got married. You know, like monogamy wouldn't have been in the cards just because they were married. She says there's black, there's white, and then there's Elvis Presley. She thought that, you know, okay, well, I can break up with him and date a salesman, a plumber, or a Southern Baptist preacher, but any of them may be unfaithful too. Yeah. Like, that's true. Absolutely. She said, I knew I had a lot of learning to do. I had to sift through all of these new experiences and do my best to figure out what was normal for the real adult world and what was distorted by the anything goes ethos of rock and roll. Mm. Yeah. So in March of 1974, she had an important task. She helped create what was to become the iconic interior design of Graceland, the people, you know, that people know today. Yep. So the Jungle Room, the Peacocks, and the book is definitely worth reading because she brings you through the whole process. Um, but just to point out a little bit more of the marks she made, she designed the TCB and lightning bolt zigzagging through the clouds on the wall. Did she also do the room with... Like the wallpaper on the ceiling. Ah, she talks about it, but I can't remember exactly. That room was fascinating. Um, It's like a pool room or something, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. She served, she thinks, but she believes that she served as the inspiration for Mark Cohen's song, Walking in Memphis. Um, You know, there's a little thing waiting for the king. Yeah. Jungle room. Probably. Just probably play it. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. Um, Also, the stainless peacocks were her. So, I love those peacocks so much. They were so beautiful. Yeah. Some people may ask why she stayed. I bet Graceland is so beautiful right now in the fall. Oh, oh my Ugh. God. Yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving at Graceland. Ugh. Oh, man. Shit. Okay. All year. Like, every season, it must be oh, something special. Some kind of magic. I wonder what they do at Christmas. Like, do they put lights up and everything? I bet they do. Um, Because Ellis loved Christmas. Yeah. Some people may ask why she stayed with Elvis despite the open relationship, despite the drug abuse. She says, I loved him. I stayed because I couldn't imagine my life without him. I stayed because the devil you know is better than the one you don't. And most of all, I stayed because I knew how much he needed me, whether he always knew it or not. And you you hope for the best. You hope they're going to 
change or you know realize they're going too hard or whatever i can understand yeah regarding his acting career linda has something to say about it you know that he had marlon brando potential wanted to be you know more of that type he was in the works of starring beside uh starring opposite barbara streisand in a star is born he had so many amazing opportunities that the colonel the old poopy pants yeah was not into so poopy pants said that elvis had an image to uphold and that this movie would like portray portray him as a loser and uh so he couldn't do that just in case and so the port the part of course went to chris christopherson yeah big hit yeah yeah. So one activity that you might not know that Elvis enjoyed was uh, going to the Memphis funeral home. Yeah, I never would have uh, guessed that one. He had a fascination with death. He just liked going and looking at the dead bodies. He did. And so Linda would not accompany him on these occasions, <sighs> but she would stay in the car. That's Who knew weird. that he had such a morbid pastime? That's so bizarre. That's why I love these books. Yeah. <laughs> Where else are you going to learn about Elvis's love of dead bodies? Of the morgue. (laughs) Okay. So, um, speaking of weird and funny, Elvis did like to shoot televisions around her as well, as he did one night when Robert Goulet was singing on television. Amazing. Just didn't care much for him. We definitely saw a television that was shot at Graceland as well. Yeah. But Elvis also was a really good boy, and he loved the law, and he paid his taxes. Besides the mostly legal drugs, he was pretty (laughs) law-abiding and didn't want to get into trouble. Yeah. So, we're getting to the point in the story where Linda sort of has an epiphany over her own life. Mm -hmm. After Elvis kind of convinces her to smoke a little bit of pot with him, which she did for the first and last time. The epiphany was that she had very little control over her own life. Yeah. Sound familiar? Very. She was so overwhelmed with trying to take care of the king, keep peace and accommodate him to no end while trying to prevent him from dying. She realized living this way was unsustainable, becoming unbearable. Yeah. Where's her life in this, right? Yeah. Did you know that Elvis had a facelift? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) I didn't get you on that one. It was very mild, and the doctor didn't want to do it. But Elvis said that if he didn't find someone, or if he didn't do it, he would find someone who would. So the doctor gave him a small procedure. It was an easy recovery and pretty subtle. But it just kind of goes to show how insecure a boy was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so she says that as she knew him, that was the extent of the surgeries although there was m- rumors that he had had more done so she was kind of setting the record straight she was with him during that time it was just a subtle procedure yeah he was still so young to be even considering procedures yeah well like under 40 or almost yeah 40. crazy well i guess in this day and age like i was uh listening to a podcast of a reality tv star that is in her 20s and was getting but I, I guess facelifts. Oh, right, right, right. Injections, injections yeah. and whatnot yeah. are different than lifts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, she was getting to the point where she was tired of watching him sleep to make sure that he yeah. wouldn't die. 
That I can't even imagine the stress. Like you're not even sleeping yourself because you're so scared that the person you love that's sleeping beside you is gonna yeah die. And or... She was like tired of living within those four walls. She didn't feel free. Their relationship was deteriorating. Elvis was getting careless. She saw pictures of Elvis and other women. Um, she was humiliated when he introduced another woman on stage at the Hilton. He told her about this beautiful piece of jewelry he had found her. It was so unique, so different, unlike any he had ever seen before and then when he finally got around to giving it to her it was just this like regular ring okay he'd given it to someone else is I what see. happened oh yeah um one time when she went to wash her face um and brush her teeth before bed she came back back to find elvis passed out in a bowl of chicken soup oh my god he had aspirated his food and so she like saved his life in that moment wow. but it was like no exaggeration that she was constantly trying to keep him from dying yeah wow in her total devotion to him she was losing herself yeah she said that she did find out that he was on demerol dilaudid percodan and a variety of other painkillers um and like and sleeping medication and, like, all at the same time mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm she checked elvis into the hospital for a two and a half week visit and he was able to come off and to be as sober as possible as he had been in years um and around that time is when his passion project of airplanes uh happened mm. um you know there was the lisa marie that he made yeah um they had more wild and crazy adventures as you know elvis likes to do things on a whim yeah so having the private plane helped helped yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> linda always knew that she wanted to be a mother but with Elvis, she knew it wasn't possible. Mm. He was already a big baby. Yeah. And she says he was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to him. Plus, it's it must be like a weird thing to know that your husband is not going to or either not going to want to touch you after or like going to have a hang up about it. Oh, I didn't it. even think about that. But yeah, yeah basically. I mean, that's got to be in your head, too. So she started making moves to be more independent. She started making time for herself and her schedule. I see a change is coming to our lives. It's not the same as it used to be. And it's not too late to realize our mistake. We're just not right for each other. Love has slipped away, left us only friends We almost seem like strangers All that's left between us are the memories we share Of times we thought we cared for each other She eventually came to the bittersweet realization that there is life after Elvis Presley. Yeah. She needed to start her own career. She thought about renting a place in L.A. Elvis got her a meeting with Aaron Spelling, with whom she worked with for years afterwards. She got her SAG card and worked through the rest of 1976. That's awesome. Elvis helped her. Yeah, he did. So that's, that's a nice thing to hear since, you know... He didn't want Priscilla to have a career. That was one of the things that was an issue. Yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, he did sort of learn from some mistakes, at least. Mm-hmm. She says that they teeter tottered through 1976 as a couple, and then she learned he'd gone out with a girl in Memphis a few times that fall. 
Oh. She realized that he really was moving on yeah. past the point of no return. Yeah. Ginger. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, enter Ginger. Yeah, enter Ginger. And uh, do you remember that story I told from Ginger's book about the switcheroo? Like there was another woman waiting. Yeah. And it was Linda. Yeah. So she writes, he was right. I was tired of being on the road, of waking up past noon every day. Most of all of his attempts to deceive me and to deceive himself. I was worn weary of trying to always be the understanding, strong, forgiving, loving, self-sacrificing martyr. It no longer fit me. As I'd soon learned, there was another girl, Ginger, whom he'd had put on the floor below us. At that very moment, she was in a holding pattern, waiting for him to bring her up when I left. I didn't have to hear him admit that there had been a girl on the plane to know there had been a girl on the plane. And this time, I wasn't going to pretend otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Good, mm-hmm. for, good for Linda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from there, um, she sort of moved her things out of great land graceland you know she says that elvis had a tremendous capacity to love to love he loved women and we loved him Mm -hmm. um but from there she was living in la wanting to pursue her own life and career she lived in a two-bedroom apartment apartment furnished with elvis's furniture and their memories from their time together elvis offered to give her money to buy a business anything she wanted and she told him she loved him and she was grateful for him and their time together he told her to let her know if she ever needed anything and so that he was just always still so generous after that's amazing in 1977, she landed a role in Hee Haw, a show that her and Elvis watched together. <laughs> she began to sell her poems, which were being made into songs, and that year got her first royalty check. Go Linda. She's killing it. Yeah. When Elvis passed, Vernon told her that he appreciated how good she was to Elvis and that Elvis loved her and that her family, that their family all loved her. Um, she actually got the news of his passing, which we know wasn't too shortly after the yeah. breakup and meeting Ginger, um, from Lisa Marie. Wow. Lisa called her. Wow. Lisa? Like, little Lisa? Little Lisa. Oh, my Still goodness. a child called her. Wow. Yeah. And and told her. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Ginger and Priscilla were both at the funeral. And um, I believe that Priscilla had asked Linda not to ride with her in the airplane, although it was Linda that was with Elvis during those airplane times. Yeah. But Priscilla just wanted to sort of be with with Lisa Lisa Marie and just be sort of the family thing. And Linda understood. Like, she's she's like a good woman. And um, she said that she felt a fondness for Priscilla and Ginger. Mm -hmm. And also Anne Margaret, who is there. Yep. Um, because he had loved them. Yeah. They were and all they connected. they belonged there. Yeah. I love that about Linda that she says stuff like that. And they all had an impact on him and really loved him. Really cared about him. Yeah. She says, Elvis had been deeply in love with Anne Margaret and at one time even considered marrying her. He had told me several stories about their courtship and he had seemed to carry a lasting fondness for her. Oh, And she did. And she still does. Yep. Yeah. When Linda was in Los Angeles, she did everything right. She dated a bit, but mostly she spent time with her girlfriends, going to the gym, writing, and traveling. Just 
being a young woman yeah she went to europe for the first time she says i was finally free to pursue to push <laughs> let's try that again she says i was finally free to pursue my own dreams and aspirations and to allow myself the luxury of time and self-carved experience to let my priorities and goals evolve my mind and heart were not on a quest to find romance it was a time for my broken heart to heal enough to even be receptive to another love wow yeah so she was on an, on an episode of Starsky and Hutch, appeared several times on Aaron's spelling show Vegas, and worked on her blossoming songwriting career. Yeah. She was kicking butt. Yeah. And of course, like when you're going to Europe and focusing on yourself and shit, that's when you find another relationship. Yeah. And cue Bruce Jenner. Um, so now I'm not going to get into this too much, like I said, but super awesome read. So I highly recommend everyone picking up the book for the rest because the I, I just told you half the book yeah there's still another half left yeah what i will say about her relationship with bruce and i'm just saying bruce because she um she linda was, was I, with, bruce, with yeah with, so identified yeah, bruce as bruce before her transition to yes. caitlin so that's why i'm saying bruce jenner um so the relationship was the opposite of being with Elvis. They went out, they went everywhere, they did everything, constantly on the move, traveling. And when they did marry, she walked down the aisle to an Elvis song. Oh. Mm-hmm. They were often on red carpets, involved in many charitable causes. They were the national honorary chairpersons of the Juvenile Diabetes Association and supported the Special Olympics. They hosted a celebrity tennis tournament, benefiting United Cerebral Palsy Children foundation which was called the bruce and linda jenner love match wow so you may or may not know that they had two sons together but i mentioned at the beginning of the show brandon and brody um she talks about them in a sense of like i have a bit of more of an understanding and a, a better appreciation for them because when i saw the younger one um brody like on reality tv that i watched i was like that guy's kind of a dick <laughs> but yeah um now i know how the show was produced yeah and actually it kind of got into the wrong hands like their reality show the princes of malibu sorry is what i'm talking about and and um actually they were portrayed in not the such a great was... light yeah actually her husband or partner at the time took control over the reality television show and actually made it about him and kind of how they were freeloading off of him oh wow yeah so they weren't portrayed so i'm you know it's just you can't have an opinion about i think like celebrities and stuff like that unless you especially know especially reality story tv and especially reality tv which we know is like, like oh, not yeah. really reality yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's uh, she's got some good insight into her family and what being a mother is like. And yeah. of course, she speaks beautifully of it. Um, one thing she says is, I recently read that when a mother gives birth, she gives birth to her own heart. She loved being a mother. And they're all really active on social media. You know, they, you can tell yeah. they're all really close. And she's a grandmother. Yeah. Actually, another funny little rock and roll connection is that her son, Brandon, married a woman named Leah who is the daughter of Don Felder of the Eagles. No way. Yeah. My favorite eagle. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> Small rock and roll yeah. world. Yeah. Um, so 
Linda's been nominated for, you know, a song that she wrote at the Academy Awards. Um, She and her husband had discovered Celine Dion because her husband, her husband after Bruce was in the music business. Um, Her close friends included Barbara Streisand and Lionel Richie. She won a Primetime Emmy Award for a song, you know, in the best original song category. Like she, she, and she is a grateful and kind of like humble person who who just loves their life it's it's awesome i'm so glad you uh, read this and are covering it i did too yeah. i'm really glad too um so i'll just finish off with this oh david was the husband that she had been in a relationship with and that's a really fascinating relationship too that i recommend people to pick up the book to I'll definitely read about this that. book up and finish uh the story as well yeah She says, I have traveled all over the world, sometimes with my sons and their loves, sometimes with my brother Sam and sister-in-law Louise, with my nieces with friends, and sometimes with a boyfriend. I can make my own decisions about how many dogs I wish to have, as silly as that may sound. After all, my dogs have been my most faithful and devoted companions for many years, giving me great joy and gratification. I have 50 fruit trees on my property, and I make apricot and plum jam as well as citrus marmalade every year to give out as Christmas presents and on other occasions for my friends and family. It is a gift made with love, time, and energy. Those are the best gifts we can give or receive. Perhaps part of my greater comfort living in my own space now is due to the fact that the three men with whom I lived and to whom I gave my heart so completely were such alpha males and type A driven personalities. I played my own willing part in adapting my life primarily around theirs with no residual regret. As my son Brandon wrote in one of his musical compositions, regret is such a waste of energy. You can't go back in time. It is my hope and humble prayer that sharing my life's extraordinary journey and my heart's deepest emotions in these pages might result in a sense of connectivity for all of us who live and breathe. For no matter how rarefied our experience is, as human beings, we share more commonalities than differences. Wow. Mm-hmm. That actually reminded me, I watched a great documentary recently on Jane Fonda, and she talks about um, like the men that she was with, and all of them, she really they she molded her life to theirs to yeah. like be the supportive woman that like they needed and um it's only now in like this part of her life that she's like fully blossoming as a single person and yeah. as a woman and just finding you know your own path and everything and that kind of reminded me of that yeah absolutely beautiful book great story um i can't wait to post it i hope that linda if she ends up listening to it likes it because as we know at this point a lot of the women are finding out of the (laughs) episodes that we do on them and it's um yeah just always out of such uh love and gratitude so linda we love you thank you for sharing your story have an interview eventually and we'd love to talk to you someday yeah and um to everybody listening thank you so very much yeah um as always you can check us out on instagram at muses and stuff podcast and on twitter at shanti and links and um go over to our network rock and roll archaeology make a donation to the patreon account um in the spirit of elvis in the spirit of giving yes (laughs) be generous be generous so we can continue to 
bring these stories bring stories to you yeah and um thank you shanti thanks, for doing thanks. the work and yeah this was great my pleasure and i can't wait to hear one of your stories soon because as much as i uh love and i'm so grateful for our interviews i love sitting down with you and just like hashing this out i agree yeah i'm looking forward to the next one okay All see right. you later everybody There will be peace in the valley for me someday. There will be peace in the valley for me. Oh Lord, I pray. There will be no sadness, no sorrow, no trouble. Muses and Stuff is produced by Chantelle Lemieux and Link Solar. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Please visit rockandrollarchaeology.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.